and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hey, everybody. Over the last week, we've gotten spoilers for Commander 2018. <laughs> so fast. Very fast. I know, it's crazy that just, what, like last Thursday or... or... Yeah, it was Thursday with the stream. That was the when they announced the names, and that was kind of it. Yeah, and then uh, almost immediately we got the entire set, so very... <laughs> <laughs> Fast-paced spoiler season. Oh boy! Yeah, had us on the edge of our seat. In this episode, we're gonna start with talking about our overall impressions of the set. Yeah, go into the commanders, and then uh, if we have time, we'll talk about the main deck cards that might get pushed off to another episode. Yeah, so may- maybe two parts, but we'll see. Yeah, right off the bat, what is your overall impression of Commander 2018? Now that we have all the information. I'm kind of torn between, like, the there's two things I look for when the Commander sets come out. And the first one is the Commanders, like, if they are cool Commanders. And, like, regardless of all the, the talk on the internet, there are some very cool Commanders that mm-hmm. were printed. Like, Blue Red finally got some some good non-combo-based artifact commanders. That's awesome. And also you even got, like, this other gem that we'll talk about later. So that's really cool. But then the reprints were abysmal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just there was nothing really that people were asking for, it seemed like. It seemed like the reprints that they put in there were, like, very utilitarian or just large creatures or, or not necessarily staples that people were asking for and this is one of the few chances a year they get to just bypass standard and like put it into the world well are you talking just about reprints or also the the new cards and and both i guess really i mean i was i was talking about reprints but with the new cards too some of the the new non-commander cards they really dropped the ball on there's definitely some some huge slip-ups in regards to like design of these new cards uh in tandem with the reprints. I would be way more positive if one of those areas, like either the new commanders, new cards, or reprints, were more solid. But for the most part, we only got... I feel like we only got some cool commanders, and then the decks are kind of... meh. Yeah. After that. I want to start by saying that, like, I think that the community response to Commander 18 has been, like, Far more negative than the set deserves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we can all agree that the lands deck is a horrible. <laughs> it's a it's an, yeah, yeah. miscarriage. Yeah. But I actually think the set overall is good. That of course might be because I'm prioritizing things differently than the yeah the rest player. of the yeah. I say this over and over on this podcast on the blog. The main thing I care about is. Uh, diversity of decks and mm-hmm. card diversity in Commander because I think that these are the two things that are most important for the long-term health of the format. Yeah. What I am really excited to see is new legendary creatures that open up new archetypes. And in that respect, I think Commander 2018 was a huge success. Yeah, yeah, um, we got a lot of cool we got a lot of cool commanders. Yeah, a lot of them. So there were 16 new commanders. There's probably at least nine new archetypes yeah. coming yeah. out of this set, which is crazy. That That's hit way ratio more. is way higher than any set in, in recent memory. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's true. The thing I most care about with Commander 2018 was executed very well. Just try to remember that as I go into nitpicking all the things I didn't like about the set. Yeah, yeah, because the 
they get one chance a year to bypass standard and just give people and like commander players and and eternal formats things that they need or reprints they need or cards they've been asking for and they really didn't do that yeah (laughs) they they with respect to the other elements you were talking about the new cards i don't think are that different from what we would typically get in a commander set yeah yeah yeah, but i think everyone was expecting that the new cards would be focused on the themes of the decks (laughs) and when it wasn't people were really upset and maybe to wizards it might feel like an unfair criticism because like we just did what we always do yeah yeah and wizards just misjudged what the fans would want out of the set i'm less upset about the esper deck than i was like a week or so ago when it was announced yeah because i think that the esper deck they just tried to cram in as many like as many unique commanders creating unique decks as possible. Like, I think... I mean, there's four new commanders in that deck, and I think there's three or four new decks yeah. <laughs> that are going to be added to the format as yeah. a result. So just because it so clearly pushes, like, the metric I care about forward, I give it a pass for, like, well, it's not a card type. What, what's yeah. a card type? <laughs> Other than that, reprints. This, I don't care so much about i know people were upset because the msrp this year was increased from 35 dollars to 40 dollars. yeah and they were kind of hoping that there would be a, a similar boost in the value of the deck yeah uh and that was not the case i don't really care too much about that because i think it's only like when i really really like a deck that i will actually buy one of the commander decks i mostly just buy the, the singles. singles yeah it is unfortunate for the new players that this is targeted at that like it's going to disproportionately impact them like they are going to get the brunt of this bad deal as opposed to yeah people like you and me who'll just like okay tcg player one week after yeah. the set's release <laughs> yeah once prices, the prices have settled yeah and then you pick up those few things you wanted yeah so that's unfortunate but it's not a huge issue for me yeah although i i think it's a little bit disingenuous if they sell decks that are supposed to be based around a theme and then they don't include anything that really fits with that theme Mm -hmm. the lands deck is of course what i'm referring to yeah i mean do you want to just get start going into it yeah yeah let's 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 start there i mean we, we could have done it chronologically but really let's go from least favorite to most favorite and then end on a high note yeah that sounds great so the land deck (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let me start with the positive things about it. I think Lord Windgrace is a fine lands commander. Yeah, yeah. In that he he does, like he does things that the land deck wants to do. Getting lands in your graveyard so you can use get value off like Crucible or Life from the Loam or Worm Harvest. That's great. Ramping you by recurring your lands so that you know you can discard your cycling lands, get them onto the battlefield, feel like a genius. Yeah, that's all cool. (laughs) But I think there's a couple, there's like five problems with this deck, but (laughs) one thing I don't like about him is that lands deck, they typically have much fewer creatures than a normal deck. Yeah. They're not great at defending themselves because the typical land deck might run like 50 plus lands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's much harder to defend your planeswalker in this style of deck than it is in a normal deck. Yeah. That that's a hundred percent true. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's kind of frustrating that 
the artifact deck got both a planeswalker and a legendary creature yeah. that support the same theme. So did the enchantress deck, although mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that's a little hand wavy, but yeah. we'll go into that later. And then the top of library, we got both the sphinx and anima two. Mm-hmm. Every other deck got an option if you don't like playing with a planeswalker commander, if you find it frustrating to have to keep protecting them, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So it's annoying that when Grace didn't. Yes. No, yeah, it, it is really strange. That actually was the thing that struck me the most about him in particular. And like you said, his card is fine. But the thing that really kind of got me about him is that him more than any other archetype really needed a way to protect himself. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that... Just making him a value commander kind of, like, disregards the thing he's trying to do the most. Like, you do want to be able to get value off of him, but a lot of the time you're going to be running him in a deck with 40-something, maybe 50 lands even. Like, if you're going super hard on the theme, if you're um, not doing that... You're just going to have less room for blockers, less room for removal. Yeah, so it's, it's... it's very strange to me that they took the that the headline card and the only option you get for this type of deck is extremely fragile um, because the archetype is kind of meant to be grindier, like longer games, you're in it for the long haul, you have a lot of resources at your disposal as the game goes on, uh, and yet your commander just can get attacked to death and your main value engine. So that that seemed really that was that's my biggest point against him is they really like didn't they didn't look at like what the archetype really wanted. They just kind of looked at like, oh, this is a cool clever design. Yeah. Cuz he is. He I mean, he you get you if he stays around, you get a bunch of value off of yeah, him. Yeah, it it works in that sense, but yeah, I I agree. It doesn't um there wasn't enough thought into like what are the actual play patterns that we're going to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next thing I would like to talk about in with the lands deck is just the fact that it did not deliver on the lands theme yeah. at all. Yeah. For a deck that is supposedly all about lands, in terms of new cards, there were three new lands matters cards. Two of them, like, don't actually do what the archetype wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's the most... God, uh, yeah, I'll let you continue. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, and, no, it's my bad. Uh, and, then the, and then the reprints we got, were, it's literally like five Lands Matters cards. You get Avenger of Zendikar, you get Budoka Gardener, Centaur Vinecrasher, Rampaging Bayloths, and Worm Harvest. And then you've got some, like, I mean, this is quote-unquote Lands Matter, but they're just <laughs> vanilla creatures, like Rebel Hulk... Or Zendikar Incarnate. Yeah. <laughs> or Scoot Mob. <laughs> like, these are just dumb beaters who happen to, instead of being like an 8-4, it's just power equal to your lands. Yeah. That's not really a Lands Matters card. No. And then, like, so with the new cards we got, there's Nesting Dragon, which is uh, Landfall, Make a Dragon Egg. Mm-hmm. But the issue with that is that it's not a useful resource. Like oh, you yeah. can't win the game with these dragon eggs. You have to wait for somebody else to wrath, or you have to wait for somebody to be dumb enough to attack into like eight dragon eggs. <laughs> so, yeah. so really, it's not anything you can really use to help you. And then crash of rhino beetles, <laughs> yeah, geez. like five cost five five trample gets plus ten plus ten as long as you control ten or more lands. Like 
it's just another Zendikar incarnate. It's just another Baloth Woodcrasher. Like these are just like this is something you could have easily printed in a corset. Yeah, <laughs> this this fits in right alongside Gigantosaurus mm-hmm. as like simple Timmy gameplay. This could have easily gone through standard. There's no reason it couldn't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rather than like trying to enhance the theme or like create new tools for the archetype, you're just you're. It's just it literally is. You're just taking so. up a land slot. Yeah, you're you're taking up a slot that could have been something useful, something that the archetype wanted, and putting in a vanilla beater or French vanilla beater. Yeah, it, it baffles me that like if you get fifty or so new card slots in each commander product to split among four decks, you'd think you would be really, really <laughs> thoughtful yeah. about like what like what does this deck really need? Yeah, and, what am I looking for? And it's crazy because like in the uh the article that Gavin Verhey wrote like, he explicitly said, some of the feedback we've been getting from Commander players is that cards that just sit around and have to wait until your next turn, like, aren't cutting it. Yeah. And so why would you just design a vanilla creature that doesn't do anything but attack and block? Like, that's the yeah. definition of the cards you were said you were trying not to include. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't know, the one thing I can think of is just that the numbers are so big that they might have included it as, like, they're, like let's make Timmy happy card or something like that. Or like this deck is for Timmy's look, but then also why talk about it as the lands deck? Like why put Lord Windgrace as the cover of the deck? Mm -hmm. If this is the Timmy deck, why call it nature's vengeance? Why like go on magic, like weekly MTG and tell us it's a lands matter deck. Yeah. If it's not, if it's actually like a Timmy players, like big boy deck, like that doesn't, it's really kind of baffling, like what they were thinking. I, I mean, I think there's a couple things that could have happened here. One is like, they figured that lands matter, like that style of gameplay is something only really, really enfranchised players like. Because mm-hmm. it's like, requires a ton of decisions. You're interacting with so many different zones. Like, yeah. <laughs> you've get, if you've got like a life from the loam and a seismic assault and like three lands in your hand yeah. <laughs> and like an exploration on the battlefield, there's so many decisions that could possibly happen on that turn. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand why they think that maybe new players that'd be really throwing them in the deep end like giving them <laughs> that many options yeah because it's so, it's like it's spiky it's it's grindy it's finicky you can get punished if you like don't plan your turns really well yeah so i think they just didn't want to like maybe give new players you know a sharp object they could hurt themselves with <laughs> yeah like a tool that they're not capable of wielding properly yeah so they so what it really is is like this is a ramp deck with a bunch of vanilla creatures and even like one of your commanders is basically just a vanilla creature yeah <laughs> that, that's my main issue with the green deck is like it, it promised something and didn't deliver as of the time we're recording this like there was a poll on Reddit. Oh, I haven't seen Magic the TCG, yeah. and it's by far the least popular deck. Partly, I'm sure, because like of the lack of good reprints, the lack, the poor value, and also because the people who were set up to like this deck, who are most looking forward to it, like felt the the most betrayed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All <laughs> right, let's go with the artifact deck. Yeah, and this one is 
much better than the the land deck in terms of like you know delivering on its promise yeah like, like how interesting it is um and there's some actual like sweet cards in it they actually printed some like interesting cards that i did not expect them to print mm -hmm. which is that this i think this is the one deck where they like really they're like here's the theme and then they did it yeah and good like you mm -hmm. you did the thing you said that's great going into this set i was like most interested in this deck and most pleased to hear they were doing a blue red artificer yeah. artifact deck because um it was highly needed and and i felt like more than the other deck themes this had the correct color identity this yeah. is exactly what it needed to be and no more it had a lot going for it in that respect mm-hmm I think that while there were some interesting cards, I wish it had utilized its slots a little bit more. Yeah, there's some like really baffling choices. Just uh, some in, in regards to some of the new cards that just they really why even go there that we'll get to eventually. I st I still wish that they'd focused on uh, artifact creatures for at least one of the decks because I think yeah. that, uh, that would have been an interesting way to solve the problem. Sometimes. It's, Sometimes when looking at these decks, I wonder if they bothered to like build the optimized version and just see like where the incentives they put in place would lead. Yeah, and then work backward from there. Although to be fair, like both of these commanders, both Sahili and um, Tanos, they have blocks in place to keep it from going combo. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Like, Sahili, you get your cost reduction once per turn. So, yeah, you can drop in a Battle Ball, but it's not going to be like when Mizzix combos off or yeah, something. Yeah, the, yeah, it, it kind of just gives you the one gem right there. Yeah, and Tano's like, yeah, of course you can copy your uh, Ugin's Nexus trigger or <laughs> your Mindslaver activation, but still, it's only like once per turn. It's not a repeated... Thing, the way that like Kirkesh can sometimes go off. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely yeah. just go crazy. Like if he was Kirkesh with blue, he would be. I know it'd be a pretty, completely different animal. Pretty insane, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that the commanders were well executed. Brutaclad is great. We'll go into him yeah. more later. Yeah, he's pretty red. And then the main deck cards, just missing a lot of staples. You'd consider yeah. like what red cards are in this deck like what red artifact cards are being printed there oh that, that's kind of the thing is that that i was gonna say is that like a lot of the cards that are printed in this deck also are just there for attacks mm -hmm. like are just there as beaters with the exception of like there's like uh i guess thopter engineers in the deck but like everything is very very like the play style is very like linear aggressive, aggressive. you have like your uh, Magma Quakes and Blasphemous Axe as your red cards. You have your Sahili's Artistries and, like, Tidings is in the deck. Like, you don't need to run Tidings yeah. and a I know. Blue Red Artifact. What? It's like, that's so like, why not reverse just... engineer. That's so nuts. Like, why not just give us Quicksmith Genius or yeah. Riddlesmith or Vidalcan Archmage? Yeah, like, there's so many cards that they could have put in. And, like, uh, Hellkite Igniter's in the deck, which is adorable like mm -hmm. that's very funny like when you pay like seven and then four more and hit them for like 28 or whatever the heck it is like that's funny but that's not like 
it's not really an it's, artifact reward. Yeah, it's not an artifact card. Yeah, it's not what the art type was looking for. And and maybe they were just felt feeling a little fatigued because they just <laughs> printed Brea like two years ago. Yeah, <laughs> and that deck had like Duretti and uh, Hellkite Tyrant and like all these cards you would expect to see in a deck like this, and they just didn't want to be like, well, we can't sell people the exact same deck minus black and white. I think I think you could. But, but yeah, true. I think you could as well. Especially if you put the right new cards in there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just crazy that there's no, like, Goblin Welder. But, yeah, I mean, in general, my, my general take on this deck is that I'm actually pretty happy with it. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, like, the we got two commanders for the archetype that was, like, sorely lacking. Like, now you don't have to just play Joyra or Force something else. Like, you actually have a blue-red artifact commander that you can be happy playing. And that, honestly, is kind of like the biggest victory here. We'll get more into individual cards, but this is a pretty steep jump, honestly, from the lands deck, the perception of the lands deck, too. Yeah. Like, it goes from last place to third place, but third is, like, a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah, although, although, like, based on, again, that, that same Reddit... Yeah, it wasn't uh, doing well, right? Yeah, I think maybe it was just a lack of wow factor i think it just needed a couple things to like exciting new cards yeah to really make it happen because like if you're spending a slot on ancient stone idol (laughs) your 10 cost 12 12 trample like Uh, yeah okay it's cool that you can reduce its cost with sahidly but this is again like another basically vanilla creature yeah there's like five of those in out of these 50 cards it's crazy yeah there there are a bunch of like basically vanilla creatures in these decks and it is baffling so let's go to the enchantments deck next okay although i think it and the asper deck are are pretty close i think yeah um, people seem to be pleased with with both of them Mm -hmm. my overall impression i am glad that they did enchantments i continue to be salty that (laughs) they chose blue instead of black as the third color yeah (laughs) and i think that some of these designs actually like reinforce that decision because We'll go into this too much now, but like Estrid the Mask happens to combo really well with Stasis. Oh, everyone's favorite. And you could have avoided that completely had you just made it a black card instead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, similar, uh, Kestia, I think, unintentionally perhaps, combos really well with control magic effects, like mm-hmm. auras that gain control of your opponent's creatures. Yep, so you're just, everyone's having a good time. Yeah, so yeah. I don't, it doesn't seem like they really want to incentivize that line of gameplay, but then they inadvertently did by just picking the wrong colors, by <laughs> not thinking yeah. enough about yes. what they were doing. Yep. Putting that aside, I think that both Kestia and Tuvasa build into enchantment decks that are distinct from each other so yeah that's two new archetypes for the format that's great huge win yeah although like i said i don't really care that much about reprints this one actually is not doing that badly in terms of reprints you yeah got your enchantress's presence and your bear umbra subsidizing the majority of the deck's cost yeah which is like that's great <laughs> like, yeah like bear umbra really didn't need to be as much money as it was mm-hmm. but i'm glad that they are like oh you know we can just put this in here and that's probably fine and you know what it is yeah that, it is fine uh, i'm also really happy to get wild growth in yeah uh, new border yeah that's cool first printing since seventh edition jeez yeah <laughs> so that was nice and then of course they like fit in a lot of new cool cards for the archetype. There's like the again won't go into this too much now, but there's the like copy enchantment. 
Um, yeah, which is pretty rad. They, they, yeah, definitely. That's definitely relevant for the archetype. There's a new constellation creature that can potentially help you win the game, which is always a problem for this <laughs> yeah, archetype. This archetype. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think that, that that's one thing I really want to touch on is... Um, so the archetype had several problems going into it, and I think that the commanders did a great job of addressing it. So, yeah, yeah. They, they. I think you can actually play these decks now, and like that works. You can end the game. You're not just sitting there twiddling your thumbs anymore. That's yeah, super cool. Castia, uh, because it forces you to play with creatures, like either ones that you're enchanting or your own enchantment creatures, that makes it so the deck automatically moves towards you winning because you're attacking with creatures all the time. Mm -hmm. And then Tuvasa is, like, can Voltron off of the number of enchantments you control, so he's, like, your win condition for this slower, controlling enchantment deck. Mm -hmm. So I think that's great. Another issue was just protecting yourself against Bane of Progress effects. (laughs) And I think uh, Kestia, at least, does that really well because you're just refilling your hand all the time. Tuvasa doesn't necessarily yeah, do but, that. Yeah, but they did get rid of some of the feel-badness of the Enchantress trigger that they put on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because normally, like, when you get an Enchantress trigger in your opening hand and, like, a, and a bunch of cheap enchantments, like, you know, Wild Growth, Sylvan Library, Verdurin Enchantress, then you feel like, oh, geez, I should probably wait to cast these cheap ones until I get more cards off of it. Yeah. But if you're only ever drawing one card a turn, like, you're not going to be leaving too many cards on the table yeah you don't feel so bad because like well it's not like i like if i were to cast wild growth and sylvan library in the same turn after i cast my tuvasa then i'm still only drawing one card so it reduces the incentive to hold your enchantments yeah you yeah because you're still getting value yeah let's talk about the esper deck yeah cool so yeah i think yeah we both agreed that this was probably our favorites what do you want to say about it first I think that even though the the deck's theme is really loose because it's trying to do like three or four different things, (laughs) there's just a lot of individually sweet cards. They introduce a new um, card with Manifest and a a really sweet one. uh, Yeah, it's like awesome. Mark Rosewater said that Manifest is extremely popular among enfranchised players, Mm -hmm. and I am one of those players that (laughs) loves Manifest, so really stoked about that. I... I'm happy to see that like the zombie deck is now supported. Yeah, yeah, they put actually like some it's pretty big thing in for zombies. Yeah, it's ex- pretty red. Extremely powerful. Yeah. Um, and then like the the ninja deck, I guess the yeah. wizards finally came around and was like they dropped the party line that Vela the Nightclad is supposed <laughs> to be your ninja commander. Oh, disgusting. Yeah, now yeah. you got a real solid reward. They they made up for it in several ways. Oh, this is a very strong uh, Yuriko, the Tiger Shadow, extremely strong commander. Yeah, it's so cool. I'm so glad that, like... Because, I mean, obviously ninjas got a really cool commander, but just the things you can do with it are also just very cool mm-hmm. in general. And it's it's like cute that they worked it into the theme also somehow. Or, or one of the themes, the the one that they told us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not one of the secret themes that mm-hmm. we learned later. So, yeah, they're, they're, again, there's some, like, reprints that kind of, whatever, like, that's fine. But overall, for the deck, like, the 
the new cards they printed are super cool. There's a cycle that goes through all the decks, and this deck had the funniest one of the cycle because it's oh. a late game card anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I'm not saying storm. it's good. Yes, Skullstorm. Um, I feel like the whole cycle isn't very good, but this one is hilarious. It made me laugh the hardest. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I would actually want to do that multiple <laughs> times. The, yeah, like the new commanders in this deck were all pretty interesting. The new cards in this deck were, for the most part, super interesting. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't made up my opinion about all of the new cards in this yeah. deck because... I think this deck got the the most complex. Yeah, definitely. New cards and lands got the least complex. Yeah. Just for the <laughs> so I think we're. I'm, I'm ready to move on to talking about the commanders. If you are. Yeah. Do you want to start here since we're here? Or do you want to go back to lands? Let's go back to lands because there's a lot to talk about there. Yeah, that is true. So Lord Windgrace is two black, red, green for a five loyalty planeswalker. He has plus two, discard a card, then draw a card. If a land card is discarded this way, draw an additional card. Minus three, return up to two target land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. And minus eleven, destroy up to six target non-land permanents. Boom. (laughs) Then create six two-two green cat warrior creature tokens with forest walk. (laughs) So one thing I didn't mention earlier was there actually is one solid way you could potentially protect Lord Windgrace. So there are so few black Planeswalker commanders, it's really just Obnixilis that you don't not normally get to do this, but with him as your with Lord Windgrace as your commander, and because your deck is not very reliant on creatures, you could do like the Abyss or oh. Spreading Plague. Oh, that is pretty cool. Yeah, and just keep the board clear of creatures while you dirtle with your uh, your lands. Mm-hmm. That, that, that okay. Yeah, that's actually way cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's one way to protect him. And then you also do have the benefit of he's a little easier to protect than I originally gave him credit for. I, I built a list around him. Another uh, thing I wanted to bring up that I mentioned in the last podcast but haven't talked about yet today is just the lack of black mana symbols anywhere in this deck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's actually very interesting. (laughs) Like, I don't think my list is perfect yet. It's still a work in progress. But I'd say, like, there's maybe, like, three to five black cards <laughs> like maybe you could fit in a few more you could probably get in tomb or if you want to put tutors in there but but on theme black cards it's really just a handful and it makes you wonder like why he needed black in his color identity in the first place get trog <laughs> <laughs> everyone loves a frog yeah like everyone i mean that's kind of the the loud this the loud one in the room the loud voice yeah that i that had been hearing leading up to this product and that like the one that probably reached wizards and led yeah. to the creation of this deck is like I just want to put Gitrog and Omna <laughs> in the same deck. <laughs> but the problem with that is like the people who are saying that didn't really think they don't know what they want. Either that or they like just I'm the only person who cares about like, you know, integrity of color identity and like doing <laughs> the, the least number of cards and like reducing like the amount of good stuff that's competing with your theme cards, et yep. cetera, et cetera. Oh, another great thing that you can do with Lord Windgrace, because he's a Planeswalker commander, 
Devastation, Destructive oh, Force, yeah, you get Joker a bunch House, of those cool things. Wildfire. Yeah. And of course, they all affect you way less than everyone else because you have a million ways to regrow your lands and a bunch of ramp to your... Like, sacking five lands is nothing to you. <laughs> yeah, you really don't give a crap about that. Yeah. That is so funny. Yeah, I do love when I can run Destructive Force. That mm-hmm. actually is a great... It's a good feeling. You're like, oh, yes, I'm playing on a different axis now. Yeah, dude. Or I'm, I'd love devastation honestly yeah <laughs> i'm a big fan of that card yeah it's pretty red uh, yeah like having wind grace on the field casting one of those and like using your floating mana to cast a threat like mm-hmm. how do you bam how do you lose bam <laughs> right there that's why that's why we play this game yeah and i can see why they maybe didn't want uh new players to have to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you want to move on to one of the ones that they did want new players to? Oh, yeah. God. God. Okay, so which one? Do you want to do the Spider or let's, the Hydra? Let's talk about the Hydra first. All right, yes. Yeah. So, so, we're yeah. working our way down the quality ladder. We're going... We're, all right, so I'm going to read this guy off. It's uh, Gyrus, or is it... I'll, I'll is call it him... Like Euro? I like Gyrus. Gyrus? Gyrus? Yeah, that's pretty funny. I think it is Gyrus. Uh, Waker of Corpses. It's X, Black, Red, Green... For a zero zero legendary Hydra, and it has it enters the battlefield with a number of plus one plus one counters on it equal to the amount of mana spent to cast it. Then it also has when uh, Gyrus attacks, you may exile target creature card with lesser power from your graveyard. If you do create a token that's a copy of that card and that's tapped and attacking, exile the token at end of combat. So I mean, the big notable thing here is that like commander attacks kind of superfluous like because it's x and it's just as big as the amount of money you spent on it like it kind of doesn't really matter mm-hmm. as much it's always going to be like a well the commander tax just adds towards your counters yeah so cool. so it's kinda, that that's cool it's a cool way to go around that like it, it doesn't really affect you like it would affect other commanders which is interesting or you play with it much differently but as a card, I, why do I care if my commander is just a 7-7 seven, seven beater? Yeah. And and the, the triggered ability is so hard to work with. Because it's There's less like three power. restrictions on, yes. on what you can do with that card. Yes, and then the no, token... There's four. It's crazy. Oh my god. It's insane. Like, oh my god. So so I, I think that like the less power was probably added later like basically just to make the the size of your commander matter yeah yeah um because otherwise these two abilities are like completely unrelated yes um and then they've got so a you can only target creatures with lesser power b you can only target your graveyard c you have to exile the real creature out of your graveyard (laughs) and d the token you make exiles at end of combat end of combat and not even end of turn you can't even oh god yeah there's so many things because yeah okay so yes you can like sundial the infinite like but then you just cut half of your turn off. <laughs> like, yeah. Like that's really not very good. And also like why would you want you're okay, you're in black. You're in black. Why would you exile why would you exile a creature when there's so many ways you could reanimate it or get it back to your hand? And and it, even if you're we're going to do that, like at least with Izareth, like the thing sticks around. Yeah. Like, okay, you're trading a 
a permanent resource for something that stays on the board permanently with Isareth. Mm -hmm. But with Gyrus, you're trading a permanent resource for a temporary resource that doesn't even last till the end of your turn. Yeah, and and like what... There's not really a good way to break this. Like, this is one of the cards that combos with the demon, the one five death touch makes a life total one. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's the one that's really good in Alesha. Oh, really the uh, Kalia. Uh, Master of Cruelties. Master of Cruelties. So this guy like also can work with Master of Cruelties. It's another... Congrats, you got another card that works with Master of Cruelties. Mm-hmm. And that's like that was the only card that I could think of. As that, like tech? Yeah, but then you you noob to one person. Mm-hmm. One, one person, and then it's gone forever. <laughs> like I don't understand. Like... Alesha, it's really good because you noob to every single person. Mm-hmm. You like go bedlam, like attack you with Alesha, like Master of Cruelties, sack Master of Cruelties. Next turn, like yeah, moving on. Now it's your turn. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So this guy, I really don't understand. Yeah, I don't really get what the play pattern is supposed to be with this guy. Like when I see green and X and huge fat, I think like, oh, I should probably be like spending my early turns, like playing ramp spells and yeah. then when and then I'll cast him and he'll be gigantic but he doesn't have any evasion yes. and if you follow that line then you're not going to have any creatures in your graveyard to reanimate yeah it's really strange so it's like am I just supposed to ignore my command zone and like play some sort of just a bunch of value creatures and then like they'll die and then on turn 20 is the first turn the first time I cast my commander and then I just start and start getting value like it doesn't this card doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. So if you have a cool idea, please let us know. I'm pretty stumped on if there's any... I, I, I'm going to say I don't think there's anything cool about this guy. I'm going to be pretty, like, just upfront about that. I think people are going to say doubling season. <laughs> Well, you get you get two token copies, man. You, you get, get two, two token tokens. Copies. Whoa, parallel lives. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I guess let's move on to the next one. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> so I think this also sounds like a community ad because when Ishkana got spoiled, people were talking like, "Why isn't it red?" Like, I want my spider commander. To be red. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Because there are, I think there's like two or three red spiders in the gatherer database or something like that. Like, there's not too many of them. Yeah, there's literally three. There's three, It's It's basically just giant trapdoor spider and dragon lair spider are the only ones that you would ever think about potentially running. Yeah. And I think it's the same, I honestly think it's the same thing. Like, people saw dragon lair spider and were like, wow, I really want to run this. In my Ishkana deck, it's a great spider. And then they just didn't think, like, okay, but what is the rest of the deck? Like, why are you adding red to your color identity for a single for a card? Like, you need to have more discipline than that. Maybe the players don't, because they just want what they want. Mm-hmm. But I think Wizards needs to have the discipline and, like, curate the format and, like, really... Yeah, give well, people what's good for them as opposed to what they're asking for. Yeah. Yeah. But then Wizards came out and made Thantis and uh, just basically just so people could run their dragon layer spider in the same deck as Ishkana. Yeah, so Thantis, uh, the war weaver, sorry, I almost said were weaver, is a 5-5 vigilance reach spider for three black, red, green. 
It has all creatures attack each combat if able, and then it has whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, put a plus one plus one counter on on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that that's it. Are you excited? Because mm. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really am glad that Jund finally has another vanilla Voltron commander. Yeah, wow. There, like, I mean, those Crush players now get got another option. Yeah, I think atta- like that line of text that like all creatures attack each combat of fable. That's interesting. Is interesting. I think it'd be cooler with white, like a Boros commander that did that gives mm-hmm. you more tools. You got your light mind field. Yeah, and... is that actually it though? Maybe that might actually be it. I thought that would be more interesting, but it might not be. No, no. Well, in white, you've got yeah. you've also got like power stone minefield. You can also like settle the wreckage. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, okay, there's, no, I was right. I was right. There's a few more things. Oh, yeah. No, white can can punish attackers pretty well. Yeah. Okay. So my my initial statement was true, but this guy, like, especially this reward, like a counter. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is actually a running theme in this set that I'll talk about with some of the other cards when we get to them. I think it's specifically in this deck because well, it's in this deck and the artifact deck. Okay. Is for some reason Wizards thinks that like having one big guy holds back a bunch of guys, mm-hmm. and you're like, no, 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 it doesn't matter, Wizards, how big my Thanos is if they're attacking me with four creatures. Yeah, like I block one of them, and then. And then I get hit by the other, like, <laughs> one big guy can't stop all of them. And this is just a theme with a lot of these big guys. So I, I, it's really weird, especially in this deck. Again, like, this is just kind of a... This very easily, because it's, like, this cool-looking, like, gr- gritty spider on this flaming spider web thing. Like, mm-hmm. this very easily could have been something land-themed. Like, you could very easily come... Like, come up with an idea of, like, a spider that, like, weaves together lands or traps lands or some something. Yeah. And that's what I was kind of expecting when they spoiled it and we saw the art before. Yeah. And not, this is not what I thought. Yeah, I don't get... So, I can understand why they wouldn't... Why they would break the theme or the... this Break the pattern of one Planeswalker Commander for the theme... One or more Legendary Creatures for the theme. Yeah. That they had in the other three decks. Yeah. And... Like, maybe if there were some, like, other Jund archetypes that really, really needed commanders, I could see, like, okay, I see why you didn't do a land commanders, because decks X and Y, they just needed commanders so badly, and they used this uh, product as an opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. But Thantis the Warweaver, the, this adds nothing to the format. No, and again, like, this is a card that they could have just printed in a standard set. Yeah. Like, the, this could have been a Mythic Rare in a standard set, and no one would have batted an eye. Like, we would have been like, oh, this is pretty upsetting, but, like, someone would have been happy. Like, this doesn't do anything. Yeah. They could have easily, like, we're going to go back to Alara eventually. Why not just put that in your f- folder? Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's very it's baffling. It's strange. I'm going to keep saying that word. Yeah, Um, and also, and kind of same with Gyrus, like, the, having all of those restrictions on it, like, to prevent you from doing anything cool ever, uh, like, okay, I understand you don't, you might put that on a standard card to keep it from breaking the format, so you're not just, like, recurring chupacabras or something. (laughs) Yeah. But with Gyrus, like, what... Yeah, well, I, who are you protecting? Like, there's already so many busted. Like, you printed Whisper like two sets ago. Yeah. Like, if you yeah. want gross things to not happen, it's 
it's, it's his too commander. Late. You're in the wrong format. Yeah, I mean that's that's my so if we ever talk about ban list again, like that's one of my biggest beefs with the ban list is that there are things still on it because of like combos or uh, supposedly uh, painter servant painter um, servant that like really shouldn't be on there because of like antiquated reasoning mm -hmm. like it really doesn't make and that's the same thing with these like they really could have like guy like why does the token go away mm -hmm. this would have been perfectly fine if okay yeah you exile your creature or whatever but the token stays i would have been i wouldn't have played this guy ever still yeah but i would have understood like oh that's the appeal Mm -hmm. Like this is the appeal of this guy. You get a token, but there's nothing, and this is the same. Or like with this you guy. save on the mana, but it's but still like yeah, mm -hmm. short term gain. Um, yeah. There's there's a lot of bad things to say, so I'm not gonna say too much more. Okay, uh, there's one other legendary creature in this deck. Yeah, and I actually uh, really I think I like this way more than Nick does, um, but it's Zancha Sleeper Agent. Uh, so Zancha is a five five for one black red, a minion. For uh, all those minion fans out there, and it has as put Zancha, in your Balthor deck. Yeah, heck yeah. As Zancha sleeper agent enters the battlefield, an opponent of your choice gains control of it. Zancha attacks each op uh, combat if able, and can't attack its owner or planeswalkers its owner's control. Uh, and then it also has three Zancha's controller loses two life, and you draw a card. Any player may activate this ability. Um, so. Zancha kind of famously they made a card for her but it wasn't legendary and it was sleeper agent from uh, it was Urza's block right Urza Saga yeah. Urza Saga yeah because um, Zancha was a sleeper agent from the story who like eventually was like man like I don't actually like the Phyrexians uh, blah 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 so they gave her like a card that just kind of worthy of that story here and the art's good and the card's interesting um, I think that the deck is just fast mana. I think that the deck's not as good as some people think it is, but it's not as bad as some people think it is. In a tuned meta, this is going to be a bad deck. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not going to be good because your friend who, like, can't use all their mana in a turn is going to be like, and I guess I'll draw a card. And then your friend, if they're competent at all, is going to just have a high market. So, mm -hmm. like, that's bad. But I think it could be fun. I'm going to make this deck just to try it out because we don't always play against people with high markets. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, so I really like the, I'm going to take off my commander hat for a second or, <laughs> or like put aside my normal opinions. <laughs> I think that this design is really sweet. It's flavorful. It yeah. feels like she's like funneling information to people and like sabotaging. Yeah. Uh, she feels like a sleeper agent. Um, and I think the card is, uh, it's it's just a cool design that fits with the character. Mm -hmm. I'm glad the card exists. Yeah, I think that there aren't a whole lot of great options for Rakdos good stuff. No, yeah, Rakdos good stuff is not uh, as yeah. good as other good stuffs. Yeah, so I think that that might be the deck she finds a home in, and in a way, she might be adding a deck to the format in that sense. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like really making like giving you a solid commander for Rakdos good stuff instead of, like, I'm just going to have Boris Devilboon oversee this game from the command zone. <laughs> so. Yep. So, you know what? I, I like her. I accept that she exists. Yeah, I'm more or less, like, even if, like, she doesn't really add much to the format, I'm just happy to see that they actually, like, gave Zancha a card that, like, kind of does what she did, yeah. too. I think that's pretty cool. Even if she doesn't really, like, create 
her own archetype with mm-hmm. like a lot of tech and like building around her. She's still like in the top half of the commanders in the yeah, land stack. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, that's a bad place to be in. Um, <laughs> but I think that's it for the commanders in this deck. Yeah. Let's move move on. on to the uh, exquisite invention. All right. And... So Sahili the Gifted is two blue red for a four loyalty planeswalker. She has plus one, create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. Plus one, the next spell you cast this turn costs one less to cast for each artifact you control as you cast it. And minus seven, for each artifact you control, create a token that's a copy of it. Those tokens gain haste. Exile those tokens at the beginning of the next end step. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's it. You ha- here is a commander, and it's red-blue, and you can play your artifacts... And it's good. It's not, like, crazy busted. You'll have a good game. I like that she has two pluses, so you don't really ever have to feel bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the the one thing I do wish is that her ult just... You just kept him. Mm. Like, it doesn't really make sense that they go away. I mean, I guess it kind of does, but it's just plus ones. Maybe it's because proliferate or something? I'm not sure what they're it's, worried about. It's still a Planeswalker ultimate. Like, it's... She has to survive how many turns? Long? Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like it would have been safe enough. And, like, compared to other cards and, like, the the effort you have to put in and, like, four... Like, if she does not get attacked after four turns, you get to do that. And mm-hmm. then, like, what is that board going to look like? How busted is your deck, actually? Like, I feel like it's probably fine. Mm-hmm. Fine, especially in a multiplayer format where there's so many things that keep her in check. But... All that said, um, I'm happy with this card. Yeah, I uh, one thing I would change if I could is I wish um, her plus one only benefited you if you cast or only let only reduce the cost on artifacts. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually did not realize it wasn't just artifacts. Yeah, because I think uh, I would prefer it if the deck incentivized like and now i'm gonna drop my mirror battle sphere or my meteor golem or yeah. my dark steel forge like forcing you to run big expensive artifacts as payoffs that sounds really cool mm-hmm. whereas right now i'm wondering if with sahili you're supposed to go here are all these sweet mana rocks i'm gonna play my mana crypt mana vault soul ring grim monolith salt monolith yeah etc etc <laughs> And then I'm gonna like use her to help me combo off because like if you're because maybe because she can generate mana on like uh, an apex of power or yeah. like an X mana draw spell or or omniscience even like, yeah just like yeah that's not actually that's pretty reasonable if you go like mana rock mana rock Sahili mana rock omniscience that's yeah. pretty easy. <laughs> Now that I think about it, the deck is more combo-y than I originally gave it credit for. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's just kind of a problem with when you're kind of trying to get people to put those cards into a deck, too, because, like, they already know that a lot of that is kind of busted. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to do stuff, like, Basalt Monolith Rings can go into any deck. Like, it's very easy to just have these interactions that, on the surface, look really, like, innocent but in practice are like really easy to do mm-hmm. this is the kind of deck where i feel like maybe in your play group someone is going to find that they put a combo into their deck they're like oh whoops i put disc 
Nibs Disc, Dark Steel Forge. Sorry, everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, like, whoops. I guess I'm Sahili sticking around. <laughs> <laughs> like, this, this is. I feel like that's probably going to happen more often than in other blue red commanders where you intentionally like worked that stuff in. Yeah, I just wish that after the mistake of Joy... I mean, I know that they don't have a lot of lead time in terms of getting feedback and changing designs. Yeah. But after the mistake of Joyra, I wish that they had just been more careful to prevent any sort of combo shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, but that's... uh, I mean, to get... If we can move on to the next guy, that's what Thanos kind of does. Yeah. So... Thanos uh, is fair. Yeah, Thanos is fair. I I would argue he's almost too fair. I Mm -hmm. still like him a lot. Um... Thanos, Urza's Apprentice, is a 1-3 human artificer for blue-red. So just two mana. He has haste, and he has blue-red tap. Copy target activated or triggered ability you control from an artifact source. You may choose new targets for the copy. Um, So kind of like a Strionic Resonator plus for your uh, artifacts. And that that's cool. Astronic Resonator slash uh, Rings of Breath. Rings of yeah, kind of yeah. weird, weird hybrid guy. It's cool that Thanos finally got a card. I'm glad he rolls earned artifacts because he does that anyway, or he did that in the story. Like I have Kirkesh. I'm probably just gonna turn into Thanos because there's a bunch of like sweet blue cards that I've wanted to play with, but yeah. don't want to just like straight combo. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about him. Like, not really. Um, I I like I said, I think he's. A fair card. It gives you an adequate reward. You can do some cool things with him. Mm-hmm. I'm and he's cheap. That's that's also yeah. A nice he's bonus. cheap. The, the I don't know how many of you out there have played with two mana commanders or even that many three mana commanders, but it is so nice. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh no, my commander costs six. <laughs> what will I do? And then everyone else is just like scoffing. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Brutaclad, this beautiful gift? Yeah. Uh, so Brutaclad, for those of you not in the know, <laughs> uh, was quoted on the flavor text of Sarcomite Myrrh, which is why he makes 2-1 blue myrrh artifact creatures. Heck yeah. Uh, so he is a 4 blue-red for a 4-4 four four legendary artifact creature, Artificer. <laughs> Job, but no race. Yeah. That cool Phyrexian innovation. Uh, creature tokens you control have haste. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 2-1 blue Mur artifact creature token. Then you may choose a token you control. If you do, each other token you control becomes a copy of that token. Yeah, so note that it's not till end of turn. It's not whatever. It's just they're, they are now this. Also note that it is any kind of token. Yeah. Like you can uh, turn your treasure tokens into, like, 5-5 five, five dragons or whatever. Yeah, and you can turn your 1-1 one, one, or 0-1 sheep into uh, uh, clues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with him. Yeah, I, I uh, did a quick crack at the deck, and he plays better than I was expecting. He's still, he's very combo-y. Like, the combo is basically, like, a bunch of, like, an efficient token generator and <laughs> just, and one big token. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this deck would love if you could entwine, if it, like, <laughs> if one dozen eyes was in its color identity. Oh my god, I know. yeah. Wouldn't that be sick? Um, I forgot that card existed. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, red has a ton of, um, cheap, efficient like goblin token generators like hordling outburst goblin rally and then uh you also have access to a lot of things that 
create token copies of creatures and artifacts. Yeah. So, like, right of replication, that kind of effect. Yeah. So you can, like, you know, copy your opponent's... I think, like, the sweetest one is, like, stolen identity or, um... What's the other one? Supplant form is pretty red. Yeah. It's a card that people don't get to play with enough. Yeah, but. so it uh, definitely feels like it creates a new archetype. Um, this deck is very unique, very mm-hmm. different from most of the other stuff out oh, there. Oh, Vizier Many Faces is a pretty red one. That's actually awesome. Yeah, I know. Oh, man. There's some sweet tech in this deck. Oh, Ke- Kiki Jiki. Kiki Jiki. <laughs> finally finds a deck he can be good in but even like stuff like goblin rebel master is pretty sweet yeah he's really good at removing the downside from your tokens yeah one card i really liked in this deck was um right of the raging storm oh yeah you give the five ones yeah so everyone gets a five one they can't attack you and it's part of the five ones text that it is sacrificed at end of turn Mm -hmm. so basically if you change that five one into another token type then you no longer have to sacrifice it at end of turn. Oh, yeah, that's really funny. So basically, it's good if you just need additional tokens, if you just want a card that makes more tokens to turn into other things every turn. And then you can also use it as the token that everything else turns into when you want to alpha strike. Yeah, when you when someone's open and you want to hit them for... Like five million. times, yeah. however many. <laughs> the next commander is Varchild. Betrayer of Keldor. So it is a 3-3 human knight for two and a red. Uh, whenever Varchild, Betrayer of Keldor, deals combat damage to a player, that player creates that many 1-1 red survivor creature tokens. Survivors your opponents control can't block, and they can't attack you or a planeswalker you control. And then whenever Varchild leaves the battlefield, gain control of all survivors. I, I think that's right. <laughs> Why don't you like this? I think that the playstyle is going to be extremely similar to Valduk. Okay, I kind of can see that. Yeah, so Valduk is also a 3-power, three 3-cost three commander. Both of them encourage you to Voltron him up, Varchild, because she's got a combat damage trigger that scales based on the amount of damage, damage you deal. deal yeah. And then, of course, Valduk just says, please put auras and enchantments yeah. on me. <laughs> So, in that sense, they're really similar. The The main difference is that with Varchild, like, you don't actually get your token sack fodder until after she dies or leaves the battlefield somehow. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Valduk, you get it every turn immediately. They stick around <laughs> till the end of the turn, so you can do all sorts of stuff with Goofy them. stuff. Yeah. I like this deck because it, the, I think the play style is really funny because you're running a bunch of cards that normally you would incentivize yourself to do. But because the tokens can't block, so they're bad blockers, they're not chump blockers for your friends, and they can't attack you, it kind of, like, hopefully incentivizes people to attack each other, especially if you're, like, making them bigger with... Uh, uh, coat of arms. Co- like, coat of arms and stuff like that. Like, I think that that's pretty hilarious. Like, stuff like that, it, it seems like it'd be, like, a funny thing, and... You can run um, Erratic Portal and stuff like that to kind of control the trigger a little bit more. Or like if someone's coming in on you or something happens. And I like that it's really hard to not get the survivors mm-hmm. uh, other than just like grass and stuff like that. But like if they're just trying to kill Varchild but keep the guys, it's you have to jump through a bunch of different hoops. 
I'm definitely happy that they have abolished the use of dies triggers on commanders. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's been too long coming. Yeah, yeah, the leaves. And and they didn't even just use it on commanders. There's some cards we'll probably talk about where they say leaves on the text box and it's just a creature or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, as recently as Rivals of Ixalan, they were still printing legends that that had death triggers. Yeah, disgusting. Why? I don't know. Especially that one. Alenda is like the standout poster child for your black-white vampires. Mm -hmm. Kind of-ish, not really. Do you want to move on to the next deck? Yes. Estrid the Masked is a planeswalker it's one green white blue enters with three loyalty um she has plus two untap each enchanted permanent you control minus one create a white aura enchantment token named mask attached to another target permanent the token has enchanted permanent and totem armor i said that very poorly basically you put a mask on something and it has totem armor um, minus seven. Put the top seven cards of your library into your graveyard. Return all non-aura enchantments ex- uh, cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Then do the same for aura cards. So you put all your enchantments into play, and then the auras follow. I think I was trolled at first because this is not an enchantress commander, but I like it now because she's cool. Yeah, I uh, I was upset when I first saw this because... This is not what the Enchantress deck is trying to do. Untapping your land with a fertile ground on it is not that exciting. It's not something you really want to be doing most of the time yeah. to build up your commander. <laughs> and then like the totem armor thing, like it sort of addresses the bane of progress problem, but not really because the mess like is. protecting one permanent per turn once yeah. is like so slow. That's not gonna really do anything for you. Because it's one thing a turn. She only has three loyalty to start. Um, so you can only put three masks before she dies. Yeah, and, and actually something that I didn't note with Lord Windgrace that I want to note here. It's actually pretty obvious that they thought about doubling season in regards to the green commanders. Mm-hmm. Because same with Lord Windgrace, he enters with five loyalty and pops at 11. Mm-hmm. And she also does the same. Even though um, hers in particular is not an ultimate that you would want to immediately snap off. Yeah. Um, but she enters with three, so she would have six and pops at seven. So I, I think that was interesting. I don't know if that actually makes sense from a design standpoint. I, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. I think... And I, I think, think you're, you're probably right that they thought that, mm-hmm. but also like doubling season is just it's one out of ninety nine cards. I'm yeah. not actually that afraid of it. Yeah, no, I mean I'm not either. I think they are. Yeah, because that's that's one of the. I mean they've they've talked about it before. Like they have this love hate relationship with doubling season because mm-hmm. it like sells sets, but also they hate when it's around. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this card's playstyle, like, I, I really like this card, but it kind of just tends towards uh, really unfun playstyles. Yeah, really unfun things. So the the three main pieces of tech for Estrid, you can put a mask on your Nevenuerol's disc or your Magus of the disc, and then uh, it's just like having a Darksteel disc out. Yeah. And conveniently, neither of those cards destroys Planeswalkers, so you can just have your Estrid on the battlefield, constantly protecting it, and it'll keep your opponents from doing anything. Yeah. And you can also just put masks on your other permanents if you wanted to. Yep. So that uh, 
they will be protected from when the disc activates. Yep, also notable, you can wait for a sweet, sweet turn when your opponents tap out or like have a big attack or something like that and then drop your stasis. Mm-hmm. And then your uh, island with a fertile ground on it helps you out. Or just your island with a mask on it. Yes. Maybe maybe you planned ahead. Your opponents <laughs> scratching their heads like the apes they are, wondering why you would ever put a mask on your basic land. Planeswalkers in general, especially Planeswalker commanders, can tend towards uh, like stasis e um, staxy playstyles just because like they don't really require other resources to work. Like they they are a machine in themselves, and so if nothing is and going, they're also on, hard to interact with. They're hard to interact with. So it, if nothing else is going on but them, like that can very easily win you the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Estrid is no exception yeah. to that rule. Estrid is very. I mean, I would actually say she leans into it more than anything. Yeah. No, you can actually like pretty easily net mana in your stasis lock. Yes. Isn't that great? Yeah, wow. It's Ooh. each enchanted permanent. Wow. Jeez, whoa, oh boy. In fact, you can just you can keep attacking with your creatures too. Yes. It's like stasis doesn't affect you at all. Yeah. And so this is something I I I got into a text disagreement with someone that I'm going to probably get into an actual disagreement with later today. They're saying, "Oh, but you don't have to do that." And you know what? He's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to do that. But Giving your enchanted creature vigilance is definitely not as strong. Yeah, like, <laughs> the Estrid decks that play fairly will lose to the Estrid decks that do. Like, Yeah, the Estrid decks that play fairly are going to lose to other decks. Yeah. It's just you're, you're losing so much value compared to what the card can do for you. When if you look at like the side cases, other things you can do, it's really not that strong. Like putting a mask on your Verduvian Enchantress is like not okay. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't draw a card first off because it's cast. The Enchantress is cast. Yeah. So like your Enchantress has a mask on it. So then you have to play like you're you're. It... And also just the fact that you have to go down to mask things up. Like really, yes. it really should have been a plus because it's just so much plus one something like yeah. it's hard enough to keep or zero even alive. zero yeah i would have been happy with zero, zero. would have been fine too please but they like intentionally designed it so that the only possible use was the most heinous of locks yes yeah, which is uh and i just want to reiterate if they had like really done their homework because if you go to i mean they said they did a lot of research for this set but if you go to edh rec and you go themes and you go to enchantments, the top cards that are played, the new cards, the signature cards, all of them have way, way more black than blue. Yeah. That, that you have is... to, like, you're, you're looking at this, Zach. Yeah, yeah. How, how far do we have to go down before we see a single blue card? We've been going... There we go. There's Sasa. There, there we, we go. go. Way down there. Like, a, almost halfway down the page. And then there's a bunch more black cards on the next row. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it really... Yeah, I, I agree. It makes less sense. If they had just looked at what players were actually doing using the data publicly available to them, (laughs) they would have seen, oh, black probably would have been a better choice. And then you want to know the great thing about choosing black? It's not just about Nick being right. It's (laughs) about, it prevents stasis locks from happening. It It makes it a lot harder to make those like really egregious staxy stasis-y things from going off. Yeah, it prevents a whole generation from having to learn (laughs) what it's like to play against stasis. (laughs) 
Yeah, but we can talk about the next two commanders. Which one would you want to talk about? Let's start with Kestia. Kestia. Oh, yeah. I actually, Kestia is pretty cool. You know what color identity would have been cooler for Kestia? <laughs> Do tell. Um, can I read her? Yeah. So she is a one green, white, blue uh, Kestia the Cultivator for a 4-4. She is a legendary enchantment creature nymph. She has Bestow for three green, white, blue. Uh, enchanted creature gets plus four, plus four. And then also, whenever an enchanted creature or enchantment creature you control attacks, draw a card. On its own, right there, just boom, that is a new archetype. Like this, all of a sudden you are playing with auras, you're playing with enchantment creatures, you're drawing cards, which is kind of, I think Nick is going to talk about that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, you can bestow it if you want which is pretty cool that's like not always gonna be a thing but that's an interesting option they give you um like this card's rad mm-hmm. so i like this card yeah you guys know when i start off positive yeah. it's like holds a lot of ammo and reserve yeah, yeah, yeah. got like six more bullets in the chamber <laughs> i like this card i think it's a very smart design for multiple mm-hmm. reasons yeah it forces the enchantress deck to actually like plan to win mm-hmm I like that it has bestow because it's almost like having a second life, like it's yeah. almost like it has persist or something. Yeah, which is so cool. you, you, the the trigger sticks around for longer. It's there's going to be fewer uh, periods where uh, it's it's going to be harder for your opponents to remove it from the table, and you're going to be able to draw more cards off of it. Yeah, because which it is requires awesome. two removal spells. Which is that's great. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, so, that all is great. Here is the biggest issue with this card. Yes, uh, yes. What do you think is the most powerful creature aura in the Bant color identity? Like an aura with enchant creature. Um, oh, I actually should know this. Like, like Rancor? I think it's probably like treachery like oh if you're... yeah so if you're yeah. Not... control magics yeah yeah there are other powerful auras but like you're not going to be putting song of the dryads or imprisoned <laughs> in the moon or dark sea mutation on your own creature yeah like really there is a whole class of of auras that fiscades yeah yeah there's plenty of them like there's you know 10 to 15 control magic type effects That's so and Castilla, because she rewards you for enchanted creatures attacking, you can always just take your opponent's commander, beat him with it, draw a bunch of cards in the process, draw more dream leash, whatever, corrupted conscience. What? God, that's so funny. Doesn't matter. So you're drawing a tons of cards off of this play style where your opponents have to like look at their commanders beating them from the other side of the table, and it's like they have to ask themselves, "Am I going to cast this Doom Blade?" to kill my own commander <laughs> so I can pay two more mana to cast it and I'm sure they've got more they just drew a control bunch of cards, magic effects. Yeah. It's a really unfun yeah, so, situation for so your opponents. Let me ask you a question then. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there is uh, something they could have done perhaps a uh, color switch they could have done to prevent this? Oh, that's a, that's a wonderful question. <laughs> it's going to take me a minute to think about this. <laughs> you know, almost all of these control magic effects happen to be in blue. What? Yeah. Oh my so god. So if you were to take off blue, say, and find another color that has like a lot of powerful enchantment creatures, mm, or yeah. like effects that synergize with enchantment creatures, like Extinguish All Hope, 
Are you oh yeah, with yeah, that yeah. One? I I uh, I do know that card. I've always wanted to play it, and I have always wanted to care. play it too. But they've just never printed a deck in which it'd be really good. Yep. So isn't that unfortunate? Oh man, that really sucks. Yeah. Oh, man, that you know what else I would really love to play? Uh, no. What's what's a uh... Thought Render Lamia? Oh. Isn't that a really cool <laughs> enchantment <laughs> creature that like also rewards you for having other enchantments? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of Doomwake Giant? Oh, what does Doomwake Giant do? Basically, it kills all your opponent's creatures really quickly if you are playing a deck with a lot of enchantments. Oh, well, and it is an enchantment. And it, it is itself oh, an enchantment. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so so maybe, like, getting rid of blue so you don't have <laughs> this, like, hideous, unfun play style. <laughs> and then just adding in black that has all these sweet creatures and stuff that synergize with enchantment creatures. Wow, yeah. No, yeah, I... I... That is very funny. I agree with you. The fucking troll magic thing is so funny. Because that is the best. Like, I understand that they were probably thinking, like, oh, yeah, put your armadillo cloak on your guy. Like, go for it. But, like, that is definitely worse than just, like, any of the the confiscate effects on yeah, anything. Exactly. Oh, man. I don't know what their testing process is. Maybe they just, like, decided Bant and were completely unwilling to budge because the players asked for Bant. And they're going to give players, like, the nightmare that they requested. <laughs> I want to go out there and just evangelize with my Estrid Stasis deck <laughs> and my Kestia Control Magic Played deck. a bunch of leagues and stores. Yeah, no, I'm going to find those commenters on Reddit and MTG Salvation and punish them with the <laughs> card they requested. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Which kind of honestly brings us to the next card, which I am actually happy they did which is it's basically a text box that people literally asked for yeah um and this is tuvasa the sunlit uh so tuvasa is a one one green white blue merfolk shaman uh tuvasa gets plus one plus one for each enchantment you control and whenever you cast your first enchantment spell each turn draw a card it's an enchantress but only the first time um and it kind of rewards you for having enchantments there which for some reason they didn't really do until until this, this product this like, yeah okay. that's another great thing about kestia by the way mm -hmm. sorry just no no that's totally fun is I, I like that she rewards you for the enchantments you already have on the battlefield like i've been complaining that man why do why is it that every single enchantment reward is a cast trigger that <laughs> turns this card into a terrible top deck like kestia it's uh yeah, you, you can have your creatures on the board. And then cast, cast Kestia. Kestia, yeah. You don't have to have her on the field before you can begin to play your deck. Yep, yep. So she's good. If, like, let's say she comes down early or comes down later. Like, the things can get rolling. Mm -hmm. uh, Tuvasa is a little different. Um... Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. that this... I mean, this design doesn't really solve the, the problem I was just talking about. I, I mean... It ameliorates it. Yeah, so just the idea that, like, it is bigger because you... Like, you don't have to feel bad playing your, like, wild growth on, like, the early turns before you cast this because, like, then Tuvas is a little bigger. Like, exactly like you said, like, that's not actually a good thing, but at least you don't feel terrible. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's fine. Like, before this set, I think we had six enchantress effects like yeah. effects that are like whenever you cast an enchantment draw a card so it wasn't quite a critical mass and then having one in your command zone just makes things a lot easier yeah i like that he embiggens himself based on the number of enchantments you control so yeah. 
now it doesn't matter that every single creature in your deck has zero power yeah. and because yeah. you know from the beginning your game plan is Voltron I'm just gonna build up my board full of enchantments and then I'm gonna play a three mana like 10 10 yeah and then and go put a rancor on him yeah <laughs> woo I'm happy this exists in so much as now people stop asking for it because I think there are cooler designs for Enchantress archetype, as we've mentioned. Yeah, I think that Kestia is a much smarter design. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. Tuvasa is clearly, like, fine. Yeah, here you go, everyone. That here, finally, here's the thing you asked for. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that the least creative of the enchantment commanders in this set is the least broken. Yeah, 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 <laughs> which is... Mm-hmm. Like, this one, yeah. like... Uh, this one I would accept being blue. Just, yeah, yeah, this one is fine. This one doesn't actually, like, force you to do unfun <laughs> things Yeah. Yes. if you happen to be in blue. It's fine. I, I mean, it would be better if it was black, but it's a minor difference compared to the other two, which is, like, night and day. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to move on to the next guy because I love him so much. Oh, yeah, go if for it. So this is Rx Methes, Slumbering Isle. So this is a 12-12 Kraken for two green-blue. And you might go, wow, that is so little mana. What's the catch? He also taps for green <laughs> oh, he and also, blue. also taps for green and so a blue. So that's the downside. There you go. So uh, it enters the battlefield tapped with five slumber counters on it. And as long as it has a slumber counter on it, it's a land. And whenever you cast a spell, you may remove a slumber counter from it. So basically... Your commander is a 4-mana mana rock until it's a 12-12 beater. That's actually more interesting than I first gave it credit for. It's a weird kind of, like, blue-green value deck. You can kind of, like, because your commander is a 4-mana mana rock, Mm -hmm. you can always count on getting to 6-mana in, like, a relatively timely fashion. 7-mana, really? Yeah, 7-mana, yeah. So it's 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 kind of interesting. You can build around the um, fact that your guy's like a cheap undercosted like thing. You can take the counters off of it. Some with other cards. Like it's really actually there's a little more to it than you would think. And then on top of that, you get a bunch of because it's a land. It's a, like I keep saying mana rock, but because it's a land, you can use um, voyaging Seder, You can use Kiora's follower. You can use. Um, other... The zombie uh, that unearths, that untaps a permanent. There's oh, a bunch of the, the fate un- stitcher. Fate stitcher. You can use like land untappers like, and things. Like cross and restore. That's yeah, cross and restore. Uh, Argothian elder. Yeah, and because you always can count on having a land that taps for two, those cards go way up in value. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. I mean, voyaging satyr and Kiora's follower are like top tier because they yeah. accelerate out Eryxmethes yeah. and then <laughs> untap him for sick value. Yeah. Yeah, which is pretty cool. So you get to play some like kind of big stuff, green blue, um, which is I'm not, I haven't made a list for this yet, so I can't tell you how interesting it is. But it, off the top of my head, imagine crucifix but different. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, if you like crucifix but less mana. If you liked the playstyle of crucifix, but it was just too much mana to handle. <laughs> then here you go. Here's a giant kraken for you. Yeah, this this card doesn't quite make a whole lot of sense to me because it's trying to do two different things yes so on the one hand you have a 12 12 for four mana and that makes me want to just be like okay so if i play gitaxian probe and mishra's bobble and urza's yeah. bobble and you know 
do that kind of thing and just get all the counters off at once on turn five or earlier five acceleration and then berserk him yep yep um so that so that makes me want to go in one direction and that deck looks very different from okay sisse's ring is my commander how do i use this yeah (laughs) which yeah which is true so i'm not exactly sure what the best thing to do with this yet is i think that it is a blue green commander that is not just super busted right open or super value i'm I'm mostly just happy they gave us a blue green commander that isn't just you just drew a bunch of cards yeah like that that kind of makes me happy but it's definitely not the standout from this commander set three of the four quaternary commanders don't feel like they're really intended to be built around yeah which is interesting like varchild ericksmithies yeah zancha are just these are cool characters that have been mentioned in the past and we want to bring them back and do something neat and top down yeah yeah and like here and show off this card or this character or whatever yeah Let's move on to our favorite of the four decks. Yeah, so here we go. We're back back at subjective reality. Okay, so Aminato. Amina 2? Amina... It's Amina 2. They, they, um, Allison oh, gave the pronunciation. A, yep. Uh, so white, blue, black for a three loyalty planeswalker. Plus one, draw a card, then put a card from your hand on top of your library. Minus one... Exile another target permanent you own, then return it to the battlefield under your control. Minus six, choose left or right. <laughs> Each player gains control of all non-land permanents other than Aminatu, the Fate Shifter, controlled by the next player in the chosen direction. Sorry, let me let me paraphrase that last one. That's, <laughs> that's hard to parse. Yeah. Basically, everyone rotates their non-land permanents either to the left or to the right around except, the table except aminato stays on your field yeah it's really goofy and i don't think i can't imagine you'll be doing that very often yeah um i imagine you'll I mean, be it doing does work it. well with her minus one though it is oh yeah i mean if you could uh um, proliferate her up yeah or the chain veil yeah like chain veil minus one then minus six somehow then it well minus six then minus one yeah I like her a lot. This is one of the few commanders in this set that I haven't built around. I made like six decks and she has not yet been one of them. I I have a feeling that there are some interesting things you can do. I know that... Skill borrower. Skill borrower. Like stuff like that kind of obviously synergizes with her. But I feel like there's cooler things you can do. Because that kind of just ends up being like weird value stuff or combo. Well, the weirdly. stuff. Well, the stuff they built into it was miracles. That's one. They did a good job like building around her in the deck. Yeah, because yeah. they put in like predict and yeah. a bunch of miracles. Yeah, they did do a bunch of. They, they're reprinting dream cash. Yeah, which uh, draw three cards, then choose two and put them on the top or bottom of your library, which is pretty funny. Man, I still wish she had green in her color identity. She just works so well with like Cursor of Prefix, yeah, and Oracle of Moldiah, those kinds of things. Yeah, all those cool, even Moldiah Channelers. Like, yeah, sad. I mean, we, we talked about this. We listed out like ten cards. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the last podcast for all the reasons that Amina Two should have been yeah. green. Yes, I couldn't really give you build advice on this at this point in time. Um, the flicker is good. Flickering can be very strong. I think the the MVP in this deck is going to be Gilded Drake. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could see that. 
you just take everyone's stuff all the time forever whoa the tricky part is going to be protecting her from your own gilded drake <laughs> but, that's the secret but once you control everyone else's commander it hopefully will make things a little easier <laughs> i will i owe you guys a deck list for amina too yeah we'll get to that later yeah, just but... send me a bunch of messages about it so yannette cryptic sovereign is a 3-5 Flying Vigilance Menace Sphinx for 2 white, blue, black. Uh, so a 5-mana 3-5 with a bunch of abilities. And then it has, Whenever Yenet Cryptic Sovereign attacks, reveal the top card of your library. If that card's converted mana cost is odd, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Otherwise, draw a card. <laughs> like this... I, I want to say the first thing I was really happy for was I read the text box and I didn't see how big it was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I swear to God, this is a fucking 6-6. Six, six. I'm going to be so... P-. And it was a 3-5. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> so there's a lot going on with this card. There's seven letters in Yenit, seven letters in Cryptic, nine letters in Sovereign. Oh, I heard this was true. Is that actually true? Yeah. Flying. Oh, that's so funny. Of course, her mana cost is odd. She is a 3-5. Every word in her flavor text is odd. Yeah, I just... <laughs> she has an odd number of keyword abilities. And uh, I don't know if you can read that on there. Do you happen to be able to tell if her collector number is even? Uh, it is odd. She has an odd collector number. Yeah. That is hilarious. So... So a very odd card. It's sure. a very odd card. Um, I think that you will be able to find some goofy things pretty easily on your own. I think this can have a bunch of cards in it. There's like, I can't even imagine how many, There's there's gotta be so many cards that are good and also odd mana costs. Yeah, this is not a gatherer search I have ever had to do in my life. Yeah. So I can't, this is another deck that I, I just need to do some research for. Yeah, like this is a card that I think is funny and cool and expect to see. Um, but did not expect to build, and did not want to put the time uh, into looking up. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot of the uh, cheap top-of-library fixers, like Brainstorm, Ponder, Preordain, yeah, they're... Serum Visions, they're all cost one. So yeah. the enablers happen to be odd, Oof. that just makes things a lot easier. I agree, I think that's great. I wish the reward was a little bit stronger, though, because like building your deck with as many odd cards as possible is like actually a huge deck building restriction. Yeah. So I'd like even your mana rocks and things need to be really specific. Yeah. So I would hope that you'd be able to get a better reward to better incentivize <laughs> the amount of work you have to do to build this deck. Yeah, I'm trying to think of um how much does expropriate cost? 8 uh, actually, I think it's nine. Yeah, because that, that's a pretty sweet uh, yeah, mystic tutor, mystical mm-hmm. tutor into expropriate. Knowledge exploitation, that's yeah, odd. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. She's not a rogue, though. Yeah, actually, a lot of time warp effects are odd. So, are Oh, yeah, Nexus of Fate's odd. That's... Time warp, capture of Jing Zhao, temporal manipulation, mm-hmm. temporal mastery. Yeah, so, I mean, like it seems like the deck's off to a good start. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, do you want to move on to the cool zombie lady? Yeah, yeah, I would. So the next card we're going to be talking about is Verena Lich Queen. This is one white, blue, black for a 4-4 legendary zombie wizard. Whenever you attack with one or more zombies, draw that many cards, then discard that many cards. You gain that much life. She also has the ability, pay two and exile two cards from your graveyard, 
create a tapped 2-2 black zombie creature token. I don't understand why they made an Esper zombie commander, but I actually think it's pretty cool. <laughs> like, I think that her effect is really sweet. Being able to, like, fill up your graveyard that fast is really cool. Being able, like, the fact that it's not restricted to exiling creature cards that you can get rid of lands or other goofy, janky things you weren't going to use or were only going to use once to get zombies when the worst-case scenario ends up happening and you need to rebuild. Um, I think that's really cool. Uh, I think white gives you access to a lot of toolbox, but that's also probably my biggest criticism, is that when you bring in white to the equation, you're running, like, some good zombie stuff in general, like, just, like, literally cream of the crop stuff. Yeah. And then you're running toolbox. Mm -hmm. And I think that means the deck is going to play actually even though it is a zombie deck it's going to play very similarly to some other like archetypes just being that you're kind of watering down your theme to play like austere command and wrath of god and yeah. a bunch of stuff like that i've done a little bit of research i like made a rough draft of a deck for varina so let's start with what i like yeah this is a way more viable zombie commander than anything we've had previously yeah which is cool <laughs> yeah i also love discard outlet commanders yeah i think that all of her abilities like combine in a great way yeah it's she's awesome. super synergistic it's awesome yeah interestingly her her deck seems like it's going to have a very low curve i don't actually think that army of the damned is going to be very good in this deck yeah because it seems like what verena most wants to do is play turn one Diagraphed Ghoul, turn two, like, Tide Hauler Sculler, turn three Death Baron or some three mana lord, turn four Verena, draw three cards, discard three cards, gain three life. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about that is, like, if you really build this commander deck with your curve in mind, most of the time when you do that, you can kind of get punished because commander of the games go so long, and then drawing, like, a one-drop creature on turn 12 is basically a blank. yeah. But with Verena, because she has this built-in card filtering mechanism, if any turn after, like, turn two or three, you draw a one-drop, I'll just discard that to Verena. That makes yeah. my decision so much easier. <laughs> so this seems like a cool, powerful deck. Once again, I love discard outlets. I'm so happy to see that. Yeah. And and it works great with zombies because, like, there's so many... There's oh, so much yeah. graveyard interaction. Yeah, which is really cool. I mean, honestly, like, the... Like, if that one drop you're discarding is a grave crawler, you just... You're up yeah. a card, man. Yeah, woo. Oh, boy. But the thing I dislike about this card is that white mana symbol does not need to be on there. No, yeah, if the first ability didn't gain life for the mana cards you drew and discarded, it, then they could have taken away the white symbol and, like... The card would be fine. It would be great. It would yeah. be perfectly within the color pie. Yeah, if it was like one blue, black, black, or two blue, black, like that would have been perfectly fine, perfectly reasonable. The card would still read as a black, blue card, black, blue zombie card. Yeah, so I like looked through all the white stuff, or the white zombie cards you might want to run. Of and there's there's some things like anointed procession. Okay, you're making tokens with Verena. You get to make twice as many. Yeah. And then after that, it gets a lot yeah, cause the sketchier, only... like Tidal Sculler, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Wayward Servant was the one I thought when if you're making a bunch of zombie tokens, but it, I don't know. But I don't, yeah. If that's worth. It doesn't. It... it doesn't seem great. Like it's like yeah, you gain a little, you like deal a little bit extra damage to your opponents, but 
you're probably going to be fine. You're like if you're a deck that can per- curve perfectly well and turn your graveyard into more zombies and you're drawing a ton of cards like it's okay. You can just run any bear and you'll probably be fine. <laughs> so I really think that the white is pretty unnecessary and yeah. just from like looking at the comments I've seen online, a lot of I've seen multiple people say like, "Oh, I was running blue black zombies with Gisa and Garolf." Man, I had so much trouble dealing with enchantments. I'm so happy that I have access to disenchant and uh, anguish I'm making and vindicate and austere command. And it's like, okay, so you're telling me that white yeah. is just going to add good stuff to your deck. Exactly. And which of your zombie thematic cards are you going to remove for these good stuff? And it's like, yeah, it just waters down the thing. Like, so that that I mean, I think we agree on that. Then just like, I think that she's very cool. Like as a card, she's very cool. She does something very cool and she's going to incentivize people to play more good stuff. She's, they're going to take out those cool zombie cards that they were excited about and play, like, Anguish and Making uh-huh. and, like, Utter End and stuff like that. So take it's, the good with the bad. It's very close to being, like, a perfect zombie commander. Yeah. That's how I would describe it. Yeah, which actually I think we're ending on a high note because this next commander is, like, freaking rad. Yeah, this next commander is sweet as heck. Uh, can I read it? Yeah, heck yeah. So this is Yuriko, the Tiger's Shadow. One blue-black for a 1-3 legendary human ninja. She has Commander Ninjutsu for blue and a black, which means you can pay blue and a black, return an unblocked attacker you control to your hand, and put her onto the battlefield from your hand or the command zone tapped and attacking. Hell yeah. And just uh, for clarification, because it's an activated ability, the commander attacks... Yeah. It's not added to it. Welcome back, stand still. Yeah, so it's two <laughs> mana. <laughs> so it's two mana no matter what. Oh, and then in addition to that, she also has whenever a ninja you control deals combat damage to a player, reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand. Each opponent loses life equal to that card's converted mana cost. You know, when I first read this card, I thought you lost life. I thought it was just a dark confidant, yeah. and I was still very happy with the yeah. card. And then I reread it later, and it's like, oh my god, yeah, it's so good. So I, <laughs> so which do you think is a better ninja commander, Yuriko or Vela? Oh yeah, so you know, Vela's got that cool bounce thing. They lose a life mm-hmm. when you bounce a card. True. She also costs six, I think. Uh-huh. So you know. You get a you get a bigger body for more mana. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's pluses and minuses. Yeah, there's pluses and minuses on both of them. Good people no, on both sides. Yuriko, I was so excited when I saw Yuriko because this is the uh, ninja commander. I don't know if they know they wanted it, but this is what they wanted. This is what a ninja commander should have been. And the funniest part about all of this is that there still aren't too many ninjas, especially like good ones. Yeah. But you don't even necessarily need to like go super ham on the ninjas themselves um to take advantage of like the trigger and just have her be a good card like i would definitely run ninjas in this deck because a that's hilarious Mm -hmm. b you can double up on these etb abilities of certain cards so like let's say you're playing thalicos here there you go yeah there's the classic yeah you get in there you bounce it you draw a card all stuff like that is super rad We've also got the Baleful Strix. Yeah, Baleful Strix. That's what I was looking specifically for. specifically for this purpose. Yeah, it was in the Ninja deck, if you if, if you remember correctly. I yeah. Mean. So this is... There's a bunch of cool little enablers like that that you get a little bit of value going in. You get more value when you bounce them. When your ninja comes in, you get even more value if it's this lady, if Yuriko is doing it herself. It's red. <laughs> like, it's super cool. 
So there are very few ninjas in Magic currently. Within Black Border, there are only 10 of them, but if you're <laughs> willing to expand to Silver Border, you get access to Masterful Ninja. Wonderful. Yeah. And a rules question that I have not yet gotten an answer to, if you use Masterful Ninja's ability to put him on the battlefield, or make him on the battlefield at the same time, can you bounce him to your hand for ninjutsu if he's already in your hand? Oh, I think you can't bounce him if he's already in your hand. Yeah? I think Maro talked about that during the unsets, but the, well, someone well, will need said to... That, he said that you can unsummon him and it won't do anything because he's already in your hand. The question is whether you can have it be as a cost, return him to your hand. Oh, like can you... Can you yeah, that's a... I hope someone asked Maro that. I'm going to have to scour his blog again. Yeah. Other cool things you can do with this deck. I think it's fine to run a ton of cheap value creatures that preferably have evasion. So like Thalico Seer, like Baleful Strix. Also Sky Scanner. Oh yeah, Sky Scanner. Probably, why not? That's awesome. Yeah, there's just some random creatures like that. Changelings are, of course, probably necessary in order to get this deck to work. Yeah. I like Metallic Mimic and Adaptive Automaton. They take on the creature's side. Cavern Harpy, great in this deck. Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's like a an engine to bounce your ninjas, your ninjas so you can... Do it again. Yeah. Unfortunately, I wish there were more uh, mass evasion-granting cards in these colors. Yeah. The only one that seems particularly efficient is um, Cover of Darkness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Creatures of the Chosen Type gain fear. Correct. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. another uh, silver-bordered ninja worth mentioning is overt operative which when it deals <laughs> combat damage to a player assembles of contraption Whoa. so you gotta bring your contraption deck with you <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious yeah i, I do want to say another like this is a thing that um a friend has mentioned that i haven't looked into is um using her in combination with like scroll rack and things and just like revealing degree of pain over and over again like something like that I don't really like that, because then Decree of Pain is not that great in the games. Yeah, where you don't have the Where you don't the have things. the score rack if you don't have the setup. Mm -hmm. The tricky thing about this deck is, like I said, there's, there's really only cover of darkness, so once your ninjas are on the battlefield, most of them don't have evasion. Yeah. So getting them through after the initial hit... That's the trick. Is, yeah, is not that easy. I, like, I'm kind of doing a half measure with, like, um... <laughs> Things like Aphotic Wisps, <laughs> Shadow Rift. Oh, I love Shadow Rift. Cloak of Feathers. Yeah. A Night Haze. Slip like, space. Yeah. yeah. All these, like, one-mana cantrips that give things <laughs> evasion to try to get them through. Get them in there. That's funny. I think that finishes up our commanders, too, so I think next time we'll get into the cards and talk about what was and wasn't good. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>